0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to gov.com or visiting this episode's description.
3: Welcome to Girl in the Gov, the podcast. Breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, welcome back to Girl in the, the podcast. podcast. Welcome to your Wednesday episode, because we released a Tuesday episode yesterday, and we'll be doing some moving forward. So yesterday we released our Top Stories episode, and so that won't be a part of this episode. We took it out of the end and put it into its own episode, so you guys can get a more thorough, more explained Top Stories segment that has its own home now, and she's released on Tuesdays, and... Yeah, and so now these guest interviews have some more time. And I think it's just for the best, you know? It's the best thing for everybody. Yeah, and wait, with that too,
4: speaking of content, content, Mm -hmm. content, content, we do want to make sure you guys are checking out our Keeping Up With The Candidates feature. And that is on Instagram. Yes, IG, not TikTok, IG. Girl on the of the podcast, that's where we save them. If you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. What this is is a 10 to 15 minute interview with a candidate running for office anywhere on the ballot, up, down, sideways, whatever. Anywhere in the country. Telling us anywhere. Any. Wow, we're going yeehaw on that one. We're, <laughs> we've had so many yeehaws in the last like liberal 24 hours. I was gonna say it's also there's something coming on that as well, guys. So there's something coming. But, I'm so excited for that too. <laughs> Okay, anyway, subscribe and find out. So with Keeping Up With The Candidates, we do a 10 to 15 minute interview with a candidate. We ask them the basic questions and also, of course, some of the key points in their campaign. It's a great little way to get to know a campaign really quickly, share it with friends, and get the vote out around those particular yeah.
3: campaigns. Even if you are listening to a candidate who isn't in your area or isn't on your ballot, if you're really inspired by them, you want to see them win, it's an important race, then... Again, some, similar to what we are saying all the time on here is a great just action item and way to stay involved politically is to share candidates' content because that helps them. It helps boost their audience and get in front of more people. So that's a great way to help out a campaign that you love and like, even if you can't vote for them, then you can share share their content. But yeah, so go listen to our top stories episode. It is out and ready for you to listen. We talk about Congress being back in session they're back on their bullshit, as you might have seen <laughs> on our story. It's our little catchphrase that we are obsessed with. So they're back on their bullshit. We can go learn all about kind of what they're focusing on before their other recess in August and the tetherball tournaments that they just keep having.
4: It makes me really miss tetherball. We had that. I at, missed. Like, the pool club I growing loved up. tetherball. Did you have that as
3: well? Yeah, well, I had it at school. It's so fun. It was
4: you had tetherball at school? That is,
3: mm-hmm. those. That's risky mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. I
4: feel. Like, I'm trying to think, no, none of the schools that I went to had it. I think the teachers were like, dear God,
3: no. It's It can get really heated and kind of dangerous, like concussion central, low key. But we also talk about there. Biden making moves on abortion, protecting abortion access and protecting pregnant mothers. We also break down a big trip Biden is taking. I think he flies out tonight to the Middle East. Yeah. So there's a lot packed. on this. Hope he's packed up. Hope he's ready. Hope he's got his, you know, hydration station. <laughs> his Wait. face masks for the plane you know who what packs him though
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh he's probably has a team for that um, but you know what i mean like there are certain things that yeah, like, i just wh- who, have so many questions about that? like whose job is that and then also like is that one of those jobs where you're kind of like a multi hat like no, you yeah, do a few wonder... different things or is that very specific and then no they like, probably have stylists. a job description just for that yeah they probably have stylists oh. for the president I mean, I believe definitely the stylist, but who physically packs the clothing.
3: The stylist, you know, like someone like Kim Kardashian, like they have their personal assistants and then they have their stylist and they put together their lookbook for the trip, but then they pack it all up. And, you know, I think that's probably how it would work for the president. I
4: would assume. I love it. But if anyone's listening that has worked at the White House Mm -hmm. and or just adjacent knows. Yeah. knows the answer or I would.
3: Ooh, that would be such a fun interview no, White totally. House stylist? Yeah, we got to look it up, honestly. We'll do some research. But yeah, if I'm anyone obsessed. has a plug, absolutely connect us, please, because that <laughs> that's going to be a piece of content we'll be releasing at some point. But yeah, the other thing that's happening that we talk about a little bit in our Top Story segment is the January 6th hearings. These, mm-hmm. The last two hearings are happening this week. We obviously recording this when the tea hasn't been spilled yet but the tea will be spilled by the time this episode is released so there's that but we'll see what the tea is
4: speaking of tea we've got this hearing going on we've got jen shaw over at bravo pleading guilty To a gazillion charges. Actually, it might not be a gazillion, but like whatever. What are the charges? Small wire fraud situation. Basically, she tried to like defraud all these elderly people. And last year, her, like, she was arrested on the show. It was this whole drama. They pulled it out for like the whole season. Not that that's not worth it, but also I'm just like not a big fan of that particular franchise. But like, I had to get in on this particular tee. So I did watch it regardless, regardless. This is getting more attention than the January 6th hearings. And I'm like, guys, guys, like it is equally juicy, if not juicier, because like she's just like it's
3: just doing her white collar crimes that, you know, we kind of expect a housewife to commit. But it's also crazy that like, yeah, she's probably going to get held accountable for these things. But like Trump is literally involved in an entire insurrection. And I just am not very confident that he's going to be held accountable to the extent that is needed. Wait, that's going
4: to be – I'm putting that on our story when we hop off. Like, a would you rather – or, like, no, sorry, not would you rather. Like, who is more likely to yeah. end up behind bars, Jen Cha or Trump?
3: Jen Cha. A thousand percent. Which, you know, not saying – I don't really know much about her or the situation, but, you know, justice – hopefully will prevail there in the right way but like why isn't it for trump just so annoying and they have so much shit on him i feel like they have a lot of white collar crime shit that is probably the same or worse than this housewife but yeah he's well i mean it's spray. just even
4: crazy that like he's got as far as he did in life because of like how many people he defrauded like over time like i what is the t account that i found recently it was on our story i i'm so sorry guys but i'm blanking on what it's called But anyways, they basically have people like submit like tea that they know about DC people. And some of it, I think, is really legit. Some, like, they go back and forth and try and see, like, what's valid and what's not. But regardless, they obviously have a whole thing about Trump. And most of the things that get submitted are about how he stiffed contractors every which way. Yeah. Every, you know, like, every state, like, notoriously known for not paying people and going after small businesses because they know it's going to be too expensive for them to sue for not getting paid, and then those companies going bankrupt.
3: Yeah. And yet he was the candidate for the working class for the blue collar boys, (laughs) you know, it's looking crazy. But other thing that's crazy that's come out, I believe today or yesterday, was that there's a poll New York Times did, by the way, which is like a liberal News organization came out with this poll that 64 percent of Democrats, not even including like independents or even total voters and conservatives, want somebody other than Joe Biden to represent the Democratic Party in 2024. So that's a crazy that number. Me. It doesn't like in this situation, but it does. When you look at just like history, like an incumbent does not oh, fucking yeah. lose this bad. Like this is that um, is this, like
4: Jimmy Carter status. I
3: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, I wonder like, what
4: those numbers are. You, yeah, like, usually
3: it's the, you know, I guess, like, Trump, that's why Trump's loss was so crazy is because, like, even though a lot of people didn't like him, like, the president in power is always, usually always wins the second term. And so it's just crazy that there might be a shift here happening just across the board that, like, no, like, if we don't like you, like, you're you're out. One of the biggest concerns in that poll was, like, the age. Mm, Which I think is so fair. Which is totally so fair. fair. Totally fair. And there's definitely things on his docket that he's done good that he's not getting the acknowledge- acknowledgement for. And then the other thing that, like, we kind of talk about, too, in the top stories, like, things like gas prices and stuff. Like, that is always thrown on the president, but it's so much bigger than that. when I mean, it really comes down to this, like, the corporate greed and everything. But, like, there's so much that happens in the world that's just, like, blamed on the president that has nothing to do with them. Yeah. And the fact that we just went through, like, a global pandemic and now like a recession is looming and it's like that's not it's not Biden's fault like that's that's also a global recession that's looming it's not just an American one so it's just like there's so much that's poured onto the president that's not completely accurate but at the same time I would I would also like to see some fresh blood in in the White House and there are some like, great options a woman for sure
4: yeah well there's there's some does integrated yeah. in that like I've definitely got a small circle
3: in mind that I'd
4: be like, hmm, like Stacey Abrams. I'm looking directly at you. Directly. But
0: like, <laughs> like,
4: She's definitely not the only one I'm thinking of, but I just, I haven't yeah. come to a distant conclusion is all I can
3: say. There is just like a lot about 2024 I'm really excited to see. I'm really scared, yeah. but I'm excited at the same time. But, it seems so but interesting. But,
4: but, 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 but we need to use that right now. As a reminder, that what happens in 2022, aka these midterm elections, is going to largely dictate what happens in 2024. Largely. So if you're listening to us and you're like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, me too, I'm excited," and you're gonna like set out this election, or you know friends that are going to, too. no, 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 you're gonna go to girlinthegov.com/slash/vote and you're gonna check your registration. You're gonna send it to your friends. You're gonna make sure you're sure to vote. Make sure everyone you know. I, I mean, and dogs pledge. don't count, so don't try and do that. You might know a dog, but don't register a dog. Biggie deserves
3: a vote more than a lot of people.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. And Howard.
3: And And Howard and Smalls. Of course. Doing Um, God's woof work. I know. They deserve deserve a voice, you know? (laughs) Like, you know, having the streets paved and, you know, the park rolls, like, affect their lives. Like, why don't they have a (laughs) say? So, but the... Yes, go register to vote, check your registration, send it to your friends, and pledge to vote. You can do that on our website at girlinthegov.com vote. And then the other thing I just wanted to address before we get into our episode with this guest is the pregnant woman who cited the row reversal to fight a carpool lane ticket, saying that her fetus counts as a passenger. And while this is just, like, iconic in a headline alone, it's actually really interesting to think about and how, like, there's a lot of just shit that, like, can backfire with this row reversal of having fetuses count as people, but like people filing fetuses as like dependents on their tax return, like you never they know. Should. like they,
1: they should. should.
3: And there's I think there's a lot that can be done here. We'll start brainstorming of other <laughs> other ways to to use this um, strategy that this brave, iconic woman in Texas did. Icon. But don't forget to sign up for our brand ambassador program. There's no requirements. There's resume boosters, political networking opportunities, and just a community of like-minded political women who want to continue the conversation and have impact. So you can go sign up at girlinthegov.com and go to our Brain Ambassador page and learn all about it. You can sign up as well. And yeah, it's pretty easy. And you can just sign on in and, and join the community. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening.
4: Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Apple. Apple. Wow, it really came out. Apple. Anyways, subscribe, rate review, it really helps us grow, so we really appreciate it. Spotify, make sure you're following us there. We know a lot of you guys love Apple, but we want to make sure Spotify gets some love too, so don't forget about it. YouTube, you get to see our faces. Well, you really get to see me having incredibly bad ADHD, and Maddie actually sitting still for like the entire episode, so if you want to just like check it out, subscribe, whatnot, head on over there. And, of course, follow us on both of our Instagrams, Girl on the Gov, the so one with all the action items, Girl on the Gov, the podcast, so one with our faces and commentary and all the guests. So you get two-for-one kind of situation, TikTok, Girl on the Gov as well. vote when you want to register to vote, check your registration, pledge to vote, request absentee ballot. And, 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 I do want to give a shout-out to one of my favorite brands, a.k.a. one of our favorite brands, which is an overnight oats oh, company that I literally... Found on an Instagram deep dive, and then had, and then I'm obsessed with, and it's called Spoonful. Anyways, they gave us a really awesome code for twenty percent off your order. So, girl and gov, all caps when you check out, and that gives you twenty percent off. And FYI, my favorite flavor is the cinnamon apple one. So you definitely want to go and match with me because twinsies.
3: I love overnight oats, and I still need to get an order of of Spoonful, but. I make overnight oats almost every day at home, They're but I would so love good. to try some some other flavors because mine's pretty basic. But yeah, go get some overnight it's just oats. Like
4: one of those things where I feel like sometimes the sugar ratio is just like so off, like it's too sweet mm-hmm. or it's too dry, and then they just get it, they get it right, mm-hmm. get it fucking right, and the branding's really cute too. So I know definitely. when
3: I make it, I always like make it too dry, but I just like pour more coconut milk in mine to like make it all nice and the right texture yeah like it's really hard to actually get the right ratio yeah with the milk so but anyways (laughs) that aside we'll get into our episode we have a repeat guest kevin on samantha do you want to give him his his intro i
4: am honored to do so so you guys might recall ben sheehan he is a former award-winning executive producer at funny or die he also founded omg wtf and has a really great book on you guessed it, the Constitution. How it works, it's spoken in, I don't know, not English from a gazillion years ago. Mm-hmm. It's made super easy to understand and breaks everything down. So we actually have on the for show. Kids. Oh, my God, yes. Yes, There's yes, you yes. Any one so if, for you kids, any if you have any little ones or maybe you're about to be a godparent or Or I don't an know. auntie. All the things, all the things. There's some little (laughs) kids that is Jason going
3: early. We love it. In your
4: life, exactly. But for this episode, we talk with Ben about something very important, and that is Moore versus Harper, which is a case that the Supreme Court just decided to take up for next session, and it is dealing with elections, specifically presidential elections, and so much more. So we get into it. I'm not going to steal the thunder. I'm not. I'm going to let you hear the explanation from Ben because it's just so much better than I could ever do. It's hilarious, so. and it's also just freaking spot on. So mm-hmm. join us, listen to it, share with a friend. And without further ado, here is Ben. All right, well, we are so excited to have you back. Loved episode one. one. So also for anyone listening, episode one, one. Go, go check it out. out. Like, why have you not listened to it yet? This it's is a great time to get this Episode too. Is most evergreen, not to like mm-hmm. pull out a word from PR 101, but evergreen topics ever, aka understanding, I don't know, the Constitution, which is every person's <laughs> argument for everything right and wrong. So just those <laughs> basics, just a few things there. But nonetheless, we're going to jump right in because we have so much to talk about, so much to define. And one of those things is independent state legislator. I literally can never say that word legislature. There we go. Okay, finally got the ending on that. Theory. What on earth is that?
3: We'll just get right into it.
5: I'll jump right in. So it's <laughs> an idea that is actually pretty new. It stems from a 2000 court case, famous one, Bush v. Gore. And in a, his opinion, William Rehnquist, who was the chief justice at the time, kind of made this... Throw away like in-passing reference to, well, state courts don't have as much power as state legislatures when it comes to election laws, because the Constitution says specifically state legislatures in Article 1, Section 4. And this didn't really get a lot of pickup at the time. And then 15 years later, there was a case in Arizona over Arizona's redistricting commission for redrawing the congressional lines. And the argument was that. There couldn't be an independent redistricting commission because the Constitution doesn't mention that specifically, it just says state legislature. And then again, in 2020, there were in Pennsylvania over the the contest or I should say the controversy, the Republican Party in Pennsylvania was mad that the Republican or the Democratic Secretary of State extended the deadlines for, I think, mail-in ballots or by, by a couple days due to due to COVID. And the argument was, well, she doesn't have the power to do that because she's not a legislature. Mm. So it's really only three times or so in the last 20 years, but it's become this, I, I, I'll say radical, idea of a very literal interpretation in, from two parts of the Constitution that mentioned the word legislature. So the debate is really over does the word legislature in the constitution just mean that singular branch of government can act completely as it wants when it comes to setting rules for federal elections or does a state's constitution and their governor and their courts also apply
4: that is really interesting especially because it's like well if, if like those don't matter like what's the point of even having them right it's like kind of the question of like is it just a show like it's yeah. a stage with some political theater we've just built these systems for like no reason uh, I guess Very the question too becomes like yeah it's so confusing so confusing I mean I feel like that's a lot of things like constitutional where everyone sort of has like a opinion Police. and interpretation there's always something to it but is there a specific person entity that's really like Grabbed onto this theory and be like, mm, this this is what we think. This is the vibe. Like we're rolling with it.
3: Well, and I'll, also I'll sorry. In- can we also get some color context as to like really what we're seeing right now and like why this, why we're even talking about this? You know, sure.
5: That's so fair. there's a there's a case <laughs> that the Supreme Court has decided to hear called Moore versus Harper, which is over in North Carolina. The the district lines were struck down by the the states courts as unfair and the person suing is the speaker of the house of representatives in north carolina saying well the court shouldn't have any say because the constitution specifically says the legislature Mm -hmm. gets to decide the times places and manner of elections for representatives so it doesn't say the state courts it doesn't say the governor it doesn't say a state's constitution it just says the legislature and again this is this is kind of It's almost like comical. It's like a comical literal reading into something because for hundreds of years, it wasn't controversial that a state court could strike down a a map or a governor could veto a map or a state legislature had to follow its own constitution. The constitution is very short. It's less than 8,000 words. There's not a ton. I mean, it's dense, but there's not everything isn't in there. So there's plenty of things that I think the people who wrote it just assumed would apply like a state having, you know, checks and balances, like the federal government has checks and balances and state, you know, legislatures and governors and courts having to follow their own state constitution. This was very uncontroversial for a long time. Yeah, they're like, nobody
3: would misinterpret this. We'll just keep it vague.
5: Right. (laughs) Ah, But as we've seen, if you don't specifically uh, over the last couple of years, specifically, if you don't exactly write down what you mean. People can use it for their own gain. And that's really what you're seeing is you're seeing people who are jumping on this sort of extreme version of an interpretation of the constitution to try to gerrymander maps. And by what this would also do, wouldn't just allow state legislatures to gerrymander maps, you know, unfettered. It would also basically say that state legislatures have full reign over all federal elections. So all elections for, for the House, for the Senate, and for, for president. And that includes being able to ignore the people's vote for president in a state and pass a law saying, well, you know, if there's fraud, then, you know, we, the state legislators, are going to decide who gets the, uh, which electors I get to vote. Or, you know, we can take back the power to choose the electors ourselves at any time, and you don't get to vote for president, which I guess brings me to a Uh, a a fact that maybe some of your listeners or many people may not know is that we don't have the constitutional right to vote for president. We only get to do it because our state legislature lets us. And for a hundred years, for the first hundred years of the country, in a number of states, people didn't vote for president. The state legislature just chose the electors and the electors voted for president. So it's only been since 1880 that every state has had a popular vote in the state as a way to choose the electors. So we don't have the constitutional right to vote for president. That actually was reiterated in Bush v. Gore. So we've all sort of assumed we have this right that we don't have. And wow. if more v. Harper gets decided in a certain way that upholds the state legislature theory, that will be a very rude awakening for a lot of people because yeah. state legislatures would just be able to pick electors themselves, ignoring, again, ignoring their own state constitution, ignoring the other branches in their state government.
3: Wow. Well, rude awakenings have been happening a lot lately, and hopefully, people are going to be more proactive. I don't know what we could hope. But speaking of all of this, does this spark a constitutional crisis? And on that conversation, can you also explain really what a constitutional crisis is, and you know what 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 is it? Help. How- S.O.S.
5: Sure. S.O.S. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like every day we open our phone and look at Twitter or look at the news and see something about a constitutional crisis. feels like one of those words that's thrown around all the time. But it does feel like a boy that cried wolf situation where this this actually would be a crisis because it would completely upend how we've thought of elections for hundreds of years. It's a constitutional crisis is basically a debate over something that is unclear in the Constitution. It's not specifically said or the interpretation is unclear and and it's never happened before. And so we don't know what how, how it would go, how this would unfold. So, you know, there are there have been constitutional crises in our history. It's not the it's not the first time. This has happened in 1876 the presidential election was down to the wire and there were the the guy winning was up by 19 electoral votes and there were three states that were delayed and there were controversies over the votes in those states and then all the electors came in and went to the basically went to the other guy and he won by one electoral vote and wow. the the loser it was a guy named samuel tilden his supporters threw a shit show and they threatened to like have a parallel inauguration and ignore the somebody like went and shot at the the guy who won was rutherford Behave. somebody went and shot at his house in ohio tried to assassinate him they threatened to have parallel literally parallel inaugurations on march 4th which was the old inauguration day and so it was a constitutional crisis and so this group of 15 representatives, senators and supreme court justices ended up giving the votes to rutherford b hayes sadly in exchange for his promising to remove federal troops from the south and that was basically the touching off the era of jim crow and the end of of reconstruction but that's an example of something that They didn't know how to handle, and so they ended up passing this law 10 years later called the Electoral Count Act that was supposed to clearly say what happens if multiple slates of electors come in from a state, which is the legitimate one, or what happens if uh, a state is late in delivering their electors, how should Congress count them? And the irony is that that law itself is very unclear. And hard to interpret, and it contains a paragraph that's like 300 words long that people have varying interpretations of. So the the law that was passed to solve a constitutional crisis is now creating a constitutional crisis of its own. Oh, so, dang. and that's what and that's what the debate was, you know, on January 6th was, you know, does the mm-hmm. vice president in this law have the power to throw out electoral votes? Almost everyone said no. They just sort of oversee the counting. Like the job's already been finished by the by the states. But yeah, it's a long way of saying that a constitutional crisis, constitutional crisis ha- has happened before. It's basically what happens when something is unclear in the Constitution. No one's really sure how it is supposed to is supposed to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: In question to that. So like, you know, say we get to the result of like Morvey Harper, and it's not exactly going in our favor. And it sparks as like, constitutional crisis. Who resolves that? Like, are there specific branches of government, specific people? Like, I knew you were just saying, like, Supreme Court and some legislators came together and, you know, came up with sort of, like, a law and also what seems like a compromise, if you will. Like, who would be spearheading that? And then does anyone then oversee the spearheaders of that, for lack of better terms?
5: Well, I don't know if the, – the sad thing is I don't know if it would – necessarily spark a constitutional crisis because if the supreme the supreme court's job is to interpret the constitution right that's their that's literally their job they get to review things and say well you know this constitution recognizes these rights it doesn't recognize these rights this is what it actually says so they're the 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 grand interpreters of the constitution if they look at it and say you know we we've thought about this and we've had some cases that have tangentially touched on this idea but we really believe that it specifically says in article 2 section 1 the legislature uh, gets to decide how electors are appointed and in article 1 section 4 it says the state's legislature gets to decide the times places and manner of our elections so we think that means the independent state the, the, the body itself the branch of government and not the constitution not the governor not the courts and if it does that then there's not a lot anyone can do that means that basically gives state legislatures you know when it comes to making laws on things that aren't federal elections yeah they're still bound by you know the governor can veto it the state courts can strike it down the state constitution has to be followed but they're using this little loophole of the fact that only the word legislature is mentioned in these two parts of the constitution so it means that this branch can operate independently of anything else in each state so that would i you know i don't know if it would spark a constitutional crisis because it's pretty clear what would happen is that states would be able to have this incredible power, this mm-hmm. unchecked power in this one specific area. And it means that elections for president, it means that election rules in each state are now entirely dependent on a legislature, which, you know, we're dancing around the, the sad reality, but in most states is gerrymandered. Right. It's not reflective of the people. The people who are holding these positions have drawn the lines so that the voters are almost always going to re- elect them just by nature of how many people from each party are in the district so you're talking about people who are you know rigging up the playing field for elections that have already rigged the playing field for their own election yeah so it's a way to hold on to power when you feel like your back is up against the wall and that's what's happening is you see you know the 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 demographics of this country are changing and they're changing quickly and people who are currently in power feel like they are losing that power and they want to maintain that power and this is one extension of that.
3: yeah can you also paint a picture too of really morby harper and who's kind of behind it and like the politics of it and also just kind of like you know if this were to be overturned some scenarios that could play out and again like who that would ultimately favor just so people can like understand.
5: So right now the the state of North Carolina is a split government, right? So you have a you have a a democratic governor and you have a republican legislature. Mm-hmm. And the speaker of the house is a guy named Tim Moore, the speaker of the House of North Carolina. And the North Carolina the State Legislature is responsible for drawing the district lines for for congressional elections in in the vast majority of states so what happened was they drew these lines and the supreme the court courts in north carolina said well these are unfair these are these are horribly gerrymandered and you can't gerrymander based on race but the supreme court says said it's not up to you know the supreme court to decide whether or not you can gerrymander a political party the constitution doesn't mention any of that so it's up to each state so the state courts in north carolina basically said hey, we, we're striking down these maps. These are unfair. And the legislature said, well, you don't have the power to strike down the maps, even if even if the North Carolina state constitution implies that you have that power, you don't, according to the US Constitution. And so they filed a lawsuit saying that the striking down the maps is not OK, because the US Constitution doesn't say anything about you know, co- state courts having that ability so that is the case that is being decided by the supreme court and even though it's specifically a gerrymandering case if it ruled that legislatures have the power unchecked and independent to regulate federal elections then that also applies to presidential elections because the same you know wording in the constitution for congressional elections is the same for presidential it says the state legislature the state legislature so that's the, that's the reality of it. So even though it's a gerrymandering case specific to a single state, how it gets decided if the court upholds this independency, it's, it's the same thing for what just happened in, uh, with the gun case in New York, right? It's like that case had to do specifically with New York's own laws, but California has similar laws. Maryland has similar laws. And you see a domino effect where that law was struck down as unconstitutional And so now, I was just at my town hall, my city council here in in Pasadena, and the chief of police got up there and was like, look, thanks to the Supreme Court, you know, last year in this county, we had 3,300 applications granted for concealed carry permits. Now, because our laws have to be weaker, it used to be that you had to justify a reason to have a concealed carry permit, and the state could deny it if they didn't think it was a good enough reason. Now that that's unconstitutional, it's going to spike and we're expecting over 50,000 concealed carry permits in a single year. Oh my so, again, that Supreme Court case had to do with New York, but the decision applies to all states. And so yeah. this case has to do with North Carolina, but the decision that could be rendered would have an impact for every state legislature
4: crazy
0: um, some right? comments
4: <laughs> one being look there's lots of things I would say we would need to do if we all time traveled but one would be just to tell the founding fathers like maybe there's nothing common about common sense I'm just putting it out there one of the many bullet points to just let them know about otherwise I do have another question which isn't even a comment obviously what the hell is the the point of the popular vote like I just like through this conversation like that's just what keeps coming to mind is like what the hell is the point of it if it, we end up in these situations?
5: Well, there is no point of a national yeah. <laughs> popular vote. It's the popular vote in each state. And that's how every state says, okay, we are going to appoint the electors. And whichever, we're going to have a popular vote and let the people in our state decide. And however they vote, that party's that person's party's electors are going to vote. And that's that's how it's been done in every state since since 1880. But the national popular vote means nothing i mean it's it it gives you an indication of how many people favor a particular candidate in the country but it has no value it has no constitutional application you know we have this electoral college system and it's the popular vote in each state that that matters also as a side note not every state requires electors to vote how the popular vote went about it's actually more than it's it's like two-thirds of states crazy you don't have to vote how the people in your state voted if you're an elector and in half of those states you it's like 17 states have absolutely no laws whatsoever so you can vote a different way and nothing would happen and then in another 17 states or so they have a law saying you have to follow it but there's no penalty if you break it it's really stupid but also the people who are electors are usually like they're screened but they're pre-screened by the party they're pre-screened by the state party and so it's very you know it's like if it's Trump electors, it's like they're Trump enthusiasts. They've been like vetted by the party. There have been people who are active in Republican politics for years. And same thing on the Democratic side. So the odds of somebody who's like been vetted by a state party, spent their life working in that party, suddenly having a change of heart. I mean, it's possible we've had faithless electors before, but they it's only like 160 something and they've never changed the outcome of an election. So it's rare and it's never had like consequence. But it is it is te- technically possible. So there's a long way of saying the, the answer is the national popular vote, there is nothing. It doesn't yeah. mean anything as of as of now.
3: It's a nice, it's a good poll. Polling's yeah, it's <laughs> a, a way to get people, people to like pay
5: attention. It's a poll. Yeah. That's basically yeah, what it is.
3: Totally. Well, we have Clarence Thomas in the Supreme Court, whose wife literally uh. participated in the insurrection, no big deal. Obviously, he's not the only one to worry about. But we have someone who is married to an insurrectionist you know, deciding this case. So, I don't know. (laughs) Your question question. is how will
5: will he, how do you think (laughs) he's going to impact the decision? Well, keep in mind that whenever the Supreme Court hears a case, you have to have four justices vote to hear it. So, Mm. in the past, maybe there have been cases that haven't had the full support of four justices to hear it, but this one did. And I think that's a reflection of who's on the Supreme Court now clarence thomas is one of in 2000 you know supported this idea of sort of independent state legislatures and he supported it again in 2015 and in 2020 so he's he's been you know on this this. train for for a while but i i i think it's pretty obvious how he's gonna vote it he's he's told us how he's gonna vote the question is what are the other justices going to do and i think there's a pretty good indication that samuel Alito will also support this independent state legislature theory i think there's a very good chance that neil gorsuch also supports the independent state legislature theory because they affect they've basically told us that they already support it brett kavanaugh probably i don't know but likely the swing vote would be amy coney barrett
4: that's wild
5: (laughs) i'm guessing because john John Roberts hasn't endorsed this specifically, and and I I don't think that he would go along with it. If you're if my own personal opinion, but I do think that the deciding vote would be Amy Coney Barrett because she hasn't gone on the record and said what she what she thinks.
3: They seem to be all all good buddies, so. You, you know, buddy buddy. Well, they I mean,
5: together. they <laughs> do pray together. That's right. You you never know. Like are there are there times where justices have surprised me, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't have seen, you know, Neil Gorsuch being the author of the opinion, you know, protecting trans people from being, you know, fired at work. That that wouldn't have been the top, he wouldn't be the justice that came to mind first. I'm glad he did. I mean, he said it was, you you know, he's definitely been a little bit more independent. He's very conservative, but he's definitely had a couple examples where he's been a little bit more independent minded, but he's pretty clear on this case where he stands so you never know I I I definitely don't think it bodes well I think that it's certainly my guess would be a 5-4 decision in favor of this but the question is it, would they fully embrace the independent state legislature theory? Would there be caveats? Is there a chance the person who filed the case could drop it? I, probably not at this at this point. You know, he's kind of a he's kind of a true believer. He's a long time a state representative in North Carolina. He's now the speaker of the North Carolina House. He's got higher political aspirations. I think he sees this as like his you know calling card notch on his belt for yeah. higher office mm-hmm. and street cred. So I, I I'm I'm pretty worried. I. I got to be honest with you that, uh, you know, five people could throw out, you know, centuries of presidential and and congressional election precedent and just let a single branch of government be totally unfettered. But we have to plan for that, you know, and it's not that's not even like a, a, a conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican thing. Like there are plenty of conservative scholars who have thought this idea was stupid for many, many years. Like this is a pretty recent almost comically literal interpretation of the word legislature and i i think it just we have to do educated as as much education as possible letting people know like what is actually at stake and also giving people action items because here's the thing almost every single state legislature is on the ballot this year almost every mm-hmm. single state legislator that's a, 89% of all state legislative chambers so 88 of our ninety-nine state legislative chambers because Nebraska only has one. They're the lone state with only they just have a Senate. They don't have a House. So there's 99 hey, state legislative they're doing their own thing. I think it's cool. Um <laughs> they, I'll say they Yeah and they also have a different way of like you know appointing the electors. It's like the winner of the state gets two electors to so the two senators and then the winner of each congressional district gets one. That's how Maine does it. So Nebraska's kind of doing its own doing its own thing, which is cool. But I do think that there has to be a mass education of what this case means and a mass understanding that this year is the last chance to make changes because the people who are elected to state legislatures across the country 84 percent of all individual state legislators are on the ballot this year those are the people who suddenly in a year could have the power to completely change how elections are run in their state and so You know you're going to be fighting uphill in a lot of states you're fighting gerrymandering gerrymandered legislatures but also these are races that very few people pay attention to
3: yeah the turn the turn yeah go ahead oh sorry i just i have a different like way to take this really fast i'm just super curious like your thoughts about really what's been happening in the supreme court obviously there's been more you know From Roe and on in recent weeks of just kind of some insane, not only rulings, but also just kind of conversations coming out of the Supreme Court of, you know, their plans. And I'm just curious of what your thoughts, like what's going on, (laughs) like what's going on in the Supreme Court? And has this been like decades of work that's finally coming to fruition of like, you know, kind of a almost conservative attack on certain rights and you know the way we see democracy like what are really like your thoughts it could even your personal opinions of what you see going on but like what do you think is happening
5: well to be honest i mean and not to give donald trump any any credit but he said he was going to appoint conservative justices to overturn roe v wade and he did and he said he was going to put conservatives on the supreme court who would be very very conservative in their rulings and he did And I think a lot of people, you know, who and I'm not sitting here to place blame, but anyone in, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin who went, "Mm, I don't really like Hillary Clinton. You know, she's, you know, she doesn't excite me and I'm just going to stay home like you kind of did this, you know, you kind of did because this is all it's not obvious the consequences of our elections immediately. And by with with him winning the presidency he got to appoint three justices and that fundamentally changed the balance of the court not just temporarily but for a, a, a long time these are yeah. not old people that are gonna die soon these are young you know young youngish by, by Supreme Court justice standards youngish <laughs> people who will be on the court a long time and you fundamentally change the balance of the court and again We talk a lot about how justices are going to rule, but having people on the court fundamentally changes what cases the court takes up. So now that you have four justices who are in lockstep and can choose Talks who three trump these chose. cases right <laughs> that's who, three, like the
3: fact that it's trump chose these people like should be scary enough you know that right so you just
5: need one you know one justice you know assuming they're all going to vote in lockstep which they don't always by the way i mean you look at the numbers and it, and there is definitely more disagreement among supreme court justices this specific that you
3: court
5: this specific court i mean there are a lot of time you know there it's only i mean if you want to get like technical about it it's only been like 13 percent of cases in the last term that was a 6-3 like partisan divide but what 13 percent of those cases yeah and i also feel like
3: this court is really feeling like an unprecedented court too like
5: well this one yeah this this particular term i think someone i don't remember who but there was an article i was reading that did a evaluation of how this of this supreme court stands and it's like the most conservative term in a hundred something years yeah I mean, and as really, a body really... that's
3: supposed to be kind of, you know, the non-political body, it just seems like right. they have such an agenda that... Right. Wait,
4: also speaking of, like, that agenda and them being on, you know, the bench for literal, like, time immemorial, so, like, Botox doesn't even help anymore, <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on term limits? I know that there's a rep from California that's introduced legislation previously, 2021, but obviously could still be taken up in the House in terms of it's an 18-year term limit, like, do you think that has any legs to it also 18 years still Which feels is like a really long time like that's like literally yeah. like how long you're paying child support for if you have a kid like i just why is that yeah. i think of things like that or like is it how many chipotle's is it so this is how i do my math but i'm just curious what your <laughs> thoughts are yeah. on
5: that yeah well, on what i think of child support for supreme court justices i feel <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. let's see I, well, no, I mean, I do think, you know, the, I think the question there is whether or not that's constitutional. Can there be a, a limit on Supreme Court justice terms without amending the Constitution? And some people say no, and some people say yes, because it doesn't specifically say that Supreme Court justices have to serve for life in the Constitution. It says, you know, justices for the, for the federal courts, the Supreme Court for lower courts will, you know, have their jobs during good behavior and what is good behavior they don't really specify what that means what effectively means is either you know you you could get impeached and removed by you know impeached by the house removed by the senate which has never happened to a supreme court justice we've only impeached one supreme court justice ever and that was you know uh, samuel chase in like 1805 or something like that oh, and, what did he it do? Real, uh it's like corruption oh, some classic. something that would probably have be kind of i mean i i don't know this i should say i i pretty sure it was a corruption case i don't know the specifics of it, but i do know that he's we've only impeached one supreme court justice and it was a very long time ago so to expect congress to act as a check on justice behavior i think is being very naive we have impeached justices before just not supreme court justices we've impeached and removed several federal judges at the district and the circuit court level i think the last one was in in 2010 and that was a corruption one one two uh I don't think that the Supreme Court is going to is going to be held accountable by by Congress. So or what Congress could could do, you know, short of, you know, impeaching or removing a justice is they could pass a law to say we're going to have 18 year terms for the Supreme Court. And then the person isn't going to lose their job. So they're keeping their job during good behavior, but they're just going to move down to the circuit level and we will bring somebody up from. The circuit level, the logistic district level, or whoever, you know, the president will appoint somebody new, but you kind of like cycle through. So you're technically keeping your job, mm-hmm. but you're just not on the Supreme Court for your entire life. That seems life. fair. That seems and fair. And again, 18 years is a long yeah. is a long time. But you know, the whole point of this, the whole reason we have lifetime appointments is because it was supposed to be like the independent, nonpartisan yeah. branch. This was the branch that was not elected by people. They're not, you know, beholden to running for office every few years. They're, you know, not they're not concerned with whatever the popular sentiment is of the day. Their only allegiance is to interpreting and upholding the Constitution and interpreting federal laws. And that that's the intent. So whether or not that is how it's functioning today is is definitely a matter of debate.
4: Do we think it's also as like the life expectancy was so low that they weren't so worried? And we're like, yeah <laughs> you'll kick the can in five years. Have a great appointment. It's fine. Maybe.
5: Yeah. I mean that thing I don't know any like scholarship offhand that said, you know, we're giving people lifetime terms because we we, we don't live that long. But I think that's <laughs> I think that's a fair point is that they didn't yeah. expect people to live to be, you know, in their nineties. That's yeah, true. At least back then that would Something be a, an about. anomaly. Yeah, totally. Well, I think
4: sure. that's a really big flag of like, don't bring me to a funeral because I'll be like, ah, they kicked the can. So in <laughs> case anyone needed someone to go to a funeral with, do not invite me. I'm a disaster.
3: Anyways, <laughs> moving right along.
4: I didn't
5: know people to- get like plus ones to funerals. Have I been sleeping on this guest <laughs> opportunity?
3: Such an interesting personality trait, Samantha you know so Anyways, like therapy is is needed oh absolutely
4: (laughs) absolutely anyone has a gift card for any therapy.com's lmk but moving on to things that we can change right now which is action items things to look ahead for what do you recommend how can people try and like bring this down a notch or at least prepare for what might happen
5: i really think the only You know you have to prepare for the worst and i think to the point that you guys brought up a little bit earlier that you know this this overturning roe v way didn't happen overnight this was a 49-year concerted effort by a group of people that were meticulous well-planned well-organized good coordination in you know you could say well it's a lot of people that are are homogenous and so that's easy for them to be you know lockstep but there is a level of organization that i think exists on the right that doesn't exist on the left in terms of an an, an allegiance to the long game i think there's an understanding of how change happens and that it doesn't take it, it doesn't happen immediately and i think the 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 left is a is more diverse in factions. Like there are factions within the conservative movement, the Republican Party. Don't get me wrong, and there and there are there are issues and rifts between them. But I would right. say overall, the Democratic Party, the the left, is more disjointed, is more fractured. It's more of a group of different people with different goals, and there's less organization. Mm -hmm. effective organization across those groups over an extended period of time. I totally Um, agree. And there has to, you know, it's not just getting people elected. It's also changing public opinion and investing Mm -hmm. in think tanks and, and wings of universities and putting out studies and using, you know, obviously I'm tiptoeing around a big one, but like using religion and using religious leaders to Mm-mm. to talk about this. You know, abortion isn't mentioned in the constitution. Some people say, well, you know, I mean, in, in the constitution, but well, it's not mentioned in the, the constitution. Bible. It's not also, it's not mentioned in the Bible either, yeah. um, at least by name. And, you know, it's become this giant religious issue. Yeah. So like what's really going on here? And... I have my own thoughts, but the, the point is that I'm trying to make is that there's a level of playing the long game, organization over the course of decades to achieve an end goal. And as we've seen, that works.
3: I totally agree. That works I've been, really well. I've been thinking about this too, because I hear, I see a lot of people too frustrated at, you know, the people saying, well, just vote. And like, I totally get that because like just having people say, just go vote is like, okay, well, there's still mass shootings happening every day. Like, we need immediate action, and I totally get that. But people are kind of frustrated with the just vote thing. But it goes back to even your point of, like, those who didn't vote back in 2016, like, that's that's why this is happening now. And I think totally there's such a disconnect from the left of understanding that long game, and we talk about that all the time. But also we talk about the, like, marketing of the Democrats on the left side and how bad it is, be it using religious organizations... Or connecting with young people better, like there's so much work to be done on all of that. The Democrats' messaging is is not the best, so I think we're seeing a lot of that come to fruition now. But
5: I think uh, we have a, I think the Democrat, or I guess there, I'm not even to say political party. I think it has to do with younger generations, and I think, and I'm including myself. I'm a millennial, barely, but I am. And I I feel like we you know we didn't get civic education the same way that yeah. our our parents and uh, maybe older siblings did and as part of that you know it's not always a direct cause and effect it's not like you vote for this person this immediately happens like there are steps in between it's like you vote for this person this person can do this they can hire this person and then that person does this there's like a couple steps in between you know it's like an a to an a to e Or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like we all expect it to be an a to b it's like there's steps that happen in between you're giving power to somebody they're passing that power along they that person has the power to do something and then that has the power so like not voting for you know even if you don't like like you maybe you didn't like hillary and that's fine but like if you liked having the you know right to have an abortion like that that was what was on the ballot so by not voting for that person you're giving the power to appoint supreme court justices to somebody else you know by not you know voting by not showing up to vote in your senate elections that's changing mm-hmm. the balance of the senate and that is the body that confirms supreme court justices so yeah. if that opportunity so it's like you have to think you know a couple steps ahead of it's not totally. just an immediate response to your vote it's yeah you know where does this who am i giving what power to
3: Totally. but We do want to wrap up with just any other kind of like what happens next, what voters can do. Like, you know, we're in this election year. What are some, I guess, action items moving forward that we we touched on earlier, but we can really hammer home before we go.
5: So I'm all about telling people to vote, but being really specific when doing it, not just show up and vote, but like, here's who you need to vote for. You need to pay attention. So I'm going to do it in the context of more V, harper and by the way the same people that are going to have the power potentially to ignore your vote for president and do whatever they want are the same people that make abortion laws for you and they're also the same people who make gun laws for you and those are your state legislators and if you don't know who your state legislators are go to openstates.org and put in your address and you will find your two state legislators now sometimes you may have more than one because Some states use multi-member districts, so it's not just you have, you know, you live in a district and you have one representative for that district. In my original home state of Maryland, you know, you can, you live in a district, but you have multiple members in the state house, so multi-member districts. So you might have more than one, or if you live in Nebraska, you only have one. You've got one state center, and that's it. But go to OpenStates.org, put in your address, find out who these people are, follow them on social media, take down their contact info, know exactly where they stand, on these issues specifically guns abortion and you know people allowing people not state legislators to choose the president know exactly where they stand and vote accordingly and if you live in states that have really closely divided legislatures you know some some legislatures are are very closely divided one that's going to be very hotly watched this year is michigan Because Michigan is for the first time using a map that is not gerrymandered, is fairly drawn because they have a brand new independent redistricting commission that passed in 2018 that is now going into effect for the first time for these races. So Michigan legislature is very closely divided. It could flip from Republican to Democrat. I think it's the Minnesota Senate is very closely divided. That could flip. Arizona, even though the the map is gerrymandered, is it could could there's only one seat advantage for republicans in both chambers so it's like a a, a one one seat would make the difference in the house and the senate in arizona so really the swing states pay attention to to those if you don't live in a state that has a particularly competitive legislative race you can just get involved in a different state's legislative race take 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 pick a state that is that could use your help that like like a michigan like a Minnesota like Arizona you know like in Nevada I mean there there are a lot of states that are going to end up making the difference and and your last chance to elect these people I can't stress it enough is this year yeah whoever gets elected to these on uh, this office this year that is who's going to have the power to do whatever the Supreme Court ends up allowing it to do Yeah. and you can't make any more changes after November 2022 that's that's it these once they take office that's that's who has that power so These are offices that we always call down ballot, and I I hate that term because it implies that they're less Less powerful when they're actually, in my opinion, more powerful because they have more of a direct impact on your life because they're closer to your front door.
3: Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Amazing advice. Thank you very much. And thank you for answering all of our questions. We have a hundred thousand more for you, but we'll we'll cap right. it here. But thank you again. Thanks for coming on. And again, everyone listening, go listen to the first the first Benjiin episode. Because well, obviously, it's also link very important. It in the
4: description. So like don't worry, you don't have to scroll. We'll link it. Yada yada yada. But also a reminder, where can everyone find you and all of your amazing explainer videos and all that jazz?
5: Uh, it Just at my name on Instagram. So at Ben Sheehan and at that Ben Sheehan on TikTok and Twitter. I, I don't really use Twitter anymore. I, I feel like it's just a bunch of bots fighting with each other. So I really spend most of my time on, we deleted on, ours on, too. on TikTok and Instagram. I find those to be the most personable and interesting platforms. So yes. find me there.
3: Love it. Well, thank and you time. again.
5: Thank you.